Hello, welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan, how's it going? Every year, the week after the annual meeting, there's a, a big day in the life of one of our hosts here, and it's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, somebody had a birthday this week. Oh, that. That's what you're talking about. Are you to yes. the age that you want to forget that you had a birthday? Is that what is that what's going on here? Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe yep. so. Um, well. Yeah. We won't say what age that is, but hey. yes, I did have a birthday this week. It, it probably has a six in it or something. Um, I'm not in my 60s <laughs> and no, it does not have a six in it. It still has a four in it, so you're good. Yes, for still now. has a four in it, but we're past we're we're past the one with the six. Oh boy, oh boy. So, so uh, happy birthday, Amy. Hope it was a good one. Um, Thank you. Let me you. guess, you went out to eat. I did. <laughs> I did go out to eat. You were you're you're correct about that. Um, so, but I was at work all day, you know. But it was really nice. The folks at the summit on staff, I got. People saying happy birthday to me all day. I got a cookie cake. Oh. I got all kinds of fun stuff. All right. Flowers. So that, that's a win. You got a cookie yeah. cake. I mean, that, yeah. I am pro cookie cake, by the way. Just just right. pointing that out. Right. But I did have, I was, I had meetings. I had stuff going on all day. So I didn't get home until around dinner time. And Keith was uh, kind enough. He said, let's go out to dinner. So I am, um, I was in the mood for chicken Parmesan. So I went to Mario's. Oh, okay, good. Here. I was afraid yes. you were going to say Olive Garden. I was like, oh, no, don't do that to yourself on your birthday. No. Or ever. So it's so here's the interesting part. So this place, Mario's, which is very good, and it has great Italian food, but the the location for this spot has its own entrance and everything, but it's on the back half of a um, a gas station. So Keeping it classy, great. Keith. That's there right. We go. That's right. I picked it. I said, I want chicken Parmesan, and he was like, like Olive Garden, and then I said, "Well, we could go to Mario's." That's the right answer, Keith. And the so right uh, I said, "We could go to Mario's," and then we realized, "Yeah, but it's good." I mean, sometimes you, sometimes it's those types of places that have the best food. So yeah, very you're, trying to, you're trying to justify your husband taking you to the backside of a gas station for your birthday. Very authentic Italian, good stuff. Okay, I like it a lot. All right. Yeah. Well, regardless, so. your your husband took you to the backside of a gas station for your birthday dinner. So, but it I'm was at my request. That. I'm going to go with it that. Was a, it was at my request. All and right. again, again, you don't have to go through the gas station to get to Mario's. It's just where it's just where it's located. So All right. good well, stuff. Good stuff. A lot well, of fun. This week's episode brought to you by Mario's and the Baptist right. Press Newsletters. BP Missions, Discipleship, Leadership, and Politics. These weekly newsletters offer insightful and thought-provoking content that will deepen your understanding and strengthen your faith. Don't miss out on these valuable resources. You can visit baptistpress.com slash subscribe to sign up. That's baptistpress.com slash subscribe. Amy, we start on a sad note this week. Russell Dilday, the sixth president of Southwestern Seminary, passed away this week. Yeah, this was um, kind of, I don't know, it kind of caught me off guard just after the annual meeting and so many things going on and um, gets you in thinking about his, like, it gets me thinking about history anyway, and then to uh, come up on Wednesday, on my birthday, actually, on yeah. June 21st, and to see that um, that Dr. Dilday passed away. He was 92 years old. 
But a lot of folks who are students of SBC history know that his time uh, really at the end of his tenure at Southwestern Seminary was rather volatile. And so uh, it's been an interesting thing to see this many years later to see some of the reflections this week. Uh, from folks and and a, a real holistic look at everything and at his significant contributions. There's a really well done um, obituary at Baptist Press, but there were also a lot of other reflections. Uh, I saw Malcolm Yarnell had a reflection, lots of folks um, really looking at his contribution. I heard some stories uh, about Russell Dilday from someone who was a trustee um, under him. And it would just... Really, uh, really incredible, incredible time. Yes. So he led the seminary from 1978 until 1994 and really kind of presided over it in its heyday. Uh, It had grown to more than 5,000 students on campus there in Fort Worth, and it was the largest seminary in the world at its time. So its heyday really came under his leadership there in Fort Worth. He was preceded in death in 2018 by his wife. They'd been married 66 years, he and Betty. And his son, Robert Dilday, had, uh, died in 2019. So survived right. by his daughters, Nancy and Ellen, and six grandchildren and six great-grandchildren. There's a memorial service on July the 8th at Park City's Baptist Church in Dallas. Amy, we have a new state exec in Wyoming. Yes, we do. Rondi Taylor. So he was elected on June 5th by a unanimous vote of the executive board. And um, it looks like he's been in Wyoming for several years. He will assume his new role September 1st, succeeding Quinn Williams. Um, He he planted, Rondi Taylor planted Living Hope Church in Green River, Wyoming in 2016, led the church to reach its community while becoming financially independent. Um, he, uh, is a graduate of Corbin university in Salem, Oregon, where John hey, Markich John Mark just Gates, went, yeah, yeah new president. Um, but then also went to gateway seminary in Ontario, California. And so, uh, so- seems like he's very respected there in Wyoming and now will be the missionary, the state missionary and executive yeah, director. Younger guy too. So an- another younger state executive uh, taking over for many of these that are retiring. So congratulations to Quinn Williams on his retirement and Rondi Taylor on being elected the new executive director out in Wyoming. Have not met him. I don't believe you have either, Amy. Uh, So maybe in the future, we'll see him at one of the SBC gatherings. So be uh, good to meet him and congratulations and all the best in Wyoming for Rondi. And Amy, uh, some news from the BGCT this week. They are set to remove two churches. Uh, those churches are unnamed, but they have identified two churches that uh, they have given notice on June the 8th that they have until June 30th to respond uh, to allegations that they are LGBTQ affirming. And if not, they will be removed from the BGCT. That's right. So uh, the board's executive committee brought a recommendation to find those two congregations to be, uh, the phrase that they use is outside of harmonious cooperation. Um, they do get after that vote. So every, uh, every Baptist body has different processes and ways they, they do get to um, receive a letter with the results. They did get a unanimous um, unanimous decision by the, the board's executive committee. So they have to have a two thirds majority to do that. 
count, um, but they it got way past two thirds. They got everybody. And after that vote, the two congregations get notified via letter and they have the opportunity to respond so they can further clarify their position and maybe be considered for reinstatement. So they do have until um, until June 30th, which is just around the corner here. Um, but uh, we will kind of see see where that where that goes. They had already member of the convention staff had contacted the congregations to determine if their views had changed and they were found to hold views inconsistent with the BGCT's long-held view on biblical sexuality. So uh, that comes in 2016, the Texas Baptist Annual Meeting. They they had voted that the affirmation of biblical sexuality was one criterion for harmonious cooperation. So they are um, applying that as when their constitution says this is what it is, then their processes must apply what is said. Yeah. So uh, we remember, I remember us covering that as well whenever they added that back in 2016. We covered that here on the podcast. So uh, that deadline is next Friday. We'll keep an eye on anything coming from the BGCT after that, that first week of July. See if we can get a follow up on this. Up to Arkansas, Amy, where Williams Baptist University announced this week they got a $4 million gift for a new wellness center. So the, the fighting Stan Normans. Up there uh, in Walnut Ridge. Stormin. It's Stormin. Stan, Stan Norman's. Norman. Ah, man, that'd have been better. That's you a, that's got a better that one. wrong. Yeah. You got that wrong. I'll, every, everyone who knows Stan Norman knows that I got it right. Yes. Yeah. Ryan Putnam's going to write me Norman. a nasty text later yes. tonight. Yes. So. And, anyway, so, uh, congr- but yeah, congratulations. That's, that's awesome, man. Four million bucks. That, that's uh, uh, pretty good. And that sounds like it'll be a nice wellness center. Yeah. So the Maybe Foundation was the, the giver of that, uh, set up in 1948 by John and Lottie Maybe. Uh, it's become a prominent philanthropic force focusing on supporting brick and mortar projects across Texas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arkansas, Missouri, and Kansas. And uh, it's got a value of $1 billion, Amy. So uh, they've granted gifts in excess of $1.5 billion and uh, just amazing, amazing generosity from the Maybe Foundation. And uh, congratulations again to our friends up there at Williams Baptist. That's not the only new thing going on at one of our institutions. New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary announced a strengthened partnership with IMB and the official launch of their Global Mission Center. Yeah, so this is exciting. This is the Global Mission Center is in the new Fred Luter Jr. Student Center. And so all sorts of fun things. Yeah, you were. So it's going to be a hub of... Yes, he was, and Mary. So it's going to be a hub of missions equipping and sending for students, staff, and faculty. So really exciting. They let the IMB kind of speak into how it would look and and uh, what the space would be like. So it's a, a really neat thing that, that just kind of helps enhance the sending ethos that they want to have there at New Orleans Seminary. Yeah, and a good friend of yours, Greg Mathias, is uh, running that center as well. Yeah. As well. Yeah. It's very cool. Yep. So we actually filmed a intro to the Road to New Orleans. I think the one about crossover, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, if may not have been cross, I'm not sure. It was one of them. I can't remember exactly which one, but we filmed something. I think it was the crossover one, because or maybe it was the mission sending one. It might have been the mission sending ceremony intro that we did for the Road to New Orleans. We filmed it in the Global Mission Center office before they had done the renovation. So uh, this is. Uh, it was the old version of it, I guess you could say, kind of halfway done, okay. not quite done what it is now. But they just finished that like last week or two. I, I, Dr. Dew was telling me about that when I was down there because we were standing right outside and I was admiring it. And he was telling me 
they had just finished all the final touches on it. So really, really cool. So congratulations to our friends down at New Orleans on that and over at the IMB. So great, great mission center there on campus for the IMB and for New Orleans. Uh, Amy, kind of a light news week this week. That's going to do it for us and bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, I'm going to go back to 1956 Whoa, for a kind of a big uh, announcement through Baptist Press that was important in SBC history, but also important in local history where I live in my neighborhood. Wake Forest College, no longer in Wake Forest, North Carolina. This was in the June 23rd, 1956 issue of Baptist Press. Took off in the middle of the night, just like the Baltimore Colts. Well... Not exactly. That's kind of a legend that uh, was it, it get the story gets told that way, but not really because it took more than 100 trips by huge moving vans to take everything. So um, pretty tough to do that in the middle of the night. Uh, but it said, you know, the, the interesting thing is this Baptist Press article, it says, you know, College officials said that more than 100 trips by huge moving vans were required to haul the equipment from Wake Forest to Winston-Salem. Within a matter of days after the move, Wake Forest College opened its doors for summer school on the new campus. Very bright, happy, and shining. The story that gets told here is that uh, all the people of the town were on the streets crying as the moving vans would leave town. Because Southeastern Seminary had come in and had actually shared the campus. They shared the campus for five years. Really? Yeah. I did not realize that. Yep. While Wake Forest College was being built in Winston-Salem, they they had kind of space. But obviously, the seminary side of things was very small at the time. And so what the folks in the town thought, this was a little college town. The train came right into town and people would get off the train and walk over to campus. And the downtown, if you, if you ever come to Wake Forest and you see we have a, a really nice little downtown. Have been and you do. Yeah. And it it really was supported by the economy of the college students. So at the time, the people in the town didn't foresee that the seminary could do enough to support the business of the town and they, they thought their town was going to die. So it was, uh, yeah, we have a, um, a museum here that is the birthplace of Wake Forest college. And it's kind of, you can tour it and you can also see all the exhibits of, of what it was like. And that story is a huge, a huge part of it, but kind of interesting. It's a, it's, it's in my local town history, but also a really big week in SBC history as Southeastern Seminary was sort of ready to stand on its own two feet here in Wake Forest and um, still here today. Yeah. So, uh, so kind of cool. I, I I was looking through, I, I, I basically always start in 1948 and I look and see what happened. And when I came up on that story, I thought ah, that's the one this year. So uh, Wake Forest College starting over in Winston-Salem and a town kind of starting over too this week in SBC history. Yes. And also this week, 67 years later, LSU, Paul Skeens and Tommy White eliminated Wake Forest from the College World Series. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there. In a glorious fashion last night. That was just magnificent. Kind of unbelievable. It was awesome. Man. So I'm still riding on. I'm I'm worried about that Florida series this weekend, but. that. We'll find out what we'll find out next week on the pod if LSU's the national champions again or if it's Florida. Yes. So Wake Forest, that's it's the big week. And then uh 
You know, I'm thinking, so the house I live in now is, uh, it was built in 1954 by a music professor from Wake Forest. Tobacco Manors. No. 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 Okay. That's a, I feel like I need to explain that now. That's a reference because I have some decorative things because I do come from a tobacco farming family. And town. Yeah. And a and town. And then obviously that's kind of a thing around here. So if you go, they have like tobacco leaves that are, la- you know, put in lacquer or whatever. So I have some stuff around my house. Heritage. The gated community I- that is Tobacco Manor. Okay. Now I have so. to explain that. <laughs> we have a, a driveway that has a fence so our dogs don't get out. And instead of getting out of the car to open the gate, we have a remote control for the gate. And so instead of a garage, we have a gate. So can't hide money, Amy. uh, Yeah. So gated community, Tobacco Manor. Anyway, folks, that's enough of that's enough of my life. It's a normal house in downtown Wake Forest. That yes, we brick ranch. We like to make more grandiose than it is. So yes. All right, that's fun. Uh, Anyway, so that brings us to our resources of the week. Amy, please don't steal my resource of the week. Your resource of the week is. My resource of the week is To Be a Woman. You Thief. The new book by Katie McCoy. You Thief. Uh, the Confusion Over Female Identity and How Christians Can Respond. And let me tell you something. Go that's Resource what you of the brought, Week. If that's what you brought as the resource of the week, I get to have it. All right. I, it's mine. So I just got this. I'm very excited to read it. And uh, this is a, a really important and might I say a courageous book. For my friend Katie Absolutely. McCoy to write. That's why I was going to um, use it. All yeah. those reasons. Really, really incredible. She dives in on sort of the moment of gender confusion that we are experiencing in our culture, but specifically how um, uh, focusing on how it affects women. And this is huge right now. And obviously, there's a lot of discussion about that. Um even this week with Riley Gaines testifying um, in in front of Congress, I keep hearing all the stuff, the podcast about J.K. Rowling, how that conversation is going. Um, Katie McCoy comes into this with from a Christian worldview, and this is an incredibly important resource. She's a really gifted writer, and um, I've heard her present on this. Uh, with some of her research, it's incredible. But I have to tell you, I think this is one of the most important contributions that she has made or will make. And uh, so I'm I, I'm so proud of my friend for stepping out there. Um, I love Katie. So I, I would say that everybody listening to this podcast will benefit from this book. 100%. Because you will, if you're a, you're in just ministry, if you're in anything in the denominational world, if you have daughters, are a woman, married to one, whatever it may be, you're going to deal with these issues that she covers in the book. You need to be educated. You need to know what's going on. You need to read the book. You need to have this resource. This needs to be a go-to resource for you when it comes to gender in life and and ministry. So what's funny, funny thing was get back to Nashville last week after annual meeting, get back in the office this Mm -hmm. week. I go in three people on my staff, I've got this book on their desk that they picked up at the end of the meeting that they're working through now. Un- yep. Like not connected. Like they saw the book. We're like, I need that book. I got to get it. They bought it at the Lifeway store and now they got it. And it was pretty funny because I walked around like, did I miss a book club meeting or something? Like what's going on here? And they were like, what do you mean? And they they didn't realize it. They had all picked up the same book at, at the nope. uh, annual meeting. And, uh, you know, so yes, get this book. You need to have it. 
Super important. Amy stole my resource of the week. So now you don't have one. All right, I got one for you. I'll give you one. It can be our co-resource of the week. What do you have now? So I just saw this come across as we're talking. Um, PBS has announced their host this year for a Capital Fourth. Is he back? Alfonso Ribeiro. Oh, okay. Carlton. I know. Carlton. Who's your favorite? John Stamos. Yeah, John Stamos is really good. Yeah. He was the best. The Capital Force yep. gotten weird the last couple of years. Sorry. It it I, last year I was last year was the, a Capital D list. It was weak. It was weak last year. So this year it's going to have Chicago, which I'm a big fan of. Chicago, great town. Yeah, boys, boys, two men, Belinda Carlisle, Babyface, Maddie, and Tay. Yeah. Uh huh. Charles Esten. Oh, was there in Nashville? Yeah. yeah. And uh, then the Broadway cast of A Beautiful Noise, which is a music musical Don't know um, about Neil Diamond. Oh, okay. And then the National They'll Symphony. probably do Coming to America. They might. They might. They might. And Seems what was like the last one? Uh, the National Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, the National Symphony. Yeah. They really should do every Coming to America the... if they're going to do that. Yeah. So that National Symphony Orchestra. Every year they got on the billing. I don't know. Yeah, they do. So uh, there's your resource. That's not too Everybody bad. plan on watching the Capitol Four. That's not bad. Yeah. So th- next week could be our 4th of July show. I, I got to think through that one and get the, uh, find the audio of you reading the Declaration of Independence again. Well, Because I know how much you love me like, sharing that. I guess it's, yeah, I guess next week is the one like leading up to, that's the one going into the, the 4th yeah. of July. So, yep. All right. Well, I think everybody should do that. Yeah. So if people want to listen to me do it, then that's fine. I would recommend they do it themselves, but yep. there you go. Force your kids to sit there and listen to you for three minutes while you read the Declaration of Independence. Takes eight minutes, actually. It takes about eight minutes. But well, not if you're fast. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, hey, that's going to do it for our show this week. Amy, happy birthday. I'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.